This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Welcome to the show. As you know, over the past two weeks, forest fires burning north of Fort St. John have dominated the news, along with several evacuation alerts and orders being issued by local governments due to the fires posing danger to human life. So a little later on, we're going to be speaking with Mike Watkins. He's the director of the Peace River Regional District's Emergency Operations Centre, and we'll be talking about their response to the wildfires But first, the city of Fort St. John issued an evacuation alert for all properties in Fort St. John on Monday afternoon and then rescinded that order two days later once the fire danger was a little less imminent. So for more on that process and how things sort of unfolded, we're joined now by the city's communications manager, Ryan Harvey. Ryan, welcome back to Moose Talks. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us today. Of course. So I thought we'd start kind of in general with emergencies and evacuation plans and whatnot. Where do those come from to start with? Is it kind of embedded in like BC law that we have to have them? How how do those come about? Yeah, I mean, I think whether or not there was legislation around the requirement of, you know, emergency response plans, it's obviously prudent to have that. We're a community of 21,000 people. And so if anything were to happen... We should have a pretty good plan in place to make sure that we were able to respond to that. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that's um, kind of the important part. And we do have a fairly robust uh, emergency response plan and and group and all of those things um, that that kind of make this uh, manageable if ever we need to happen. But it's good to uh, be able to update that regularly. But then Mm -hmm. when situations like this arise, take a look at it again and and make some changes. Mm-hmm. Is this something then that it's, you, you do have to update it once a year, the committee, whoever it happens to meet, takes a look at what's going on? Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's certainly something that's always uh, looked through, uh, falls in under our public safety uh, team. So fire chief, as well as our emergency program team, I'll look at, look through that. But I think it's important that um, it's, it's an interesting piece, at least so uh, council is involved in the policy end of it, yeah. but then when it becomes an emergency, uh, the emergency operations center kind of operates in its, in its bubble to ensure that, uh, you know, we're able to protect human life and, mm-hmm. and valuable assets out there. I see. And I imagine it has, what if this, what if that, what if we can't go south, what if we can't go north, all that kind of contingency in it. Is it? I suppose the best way to describe it is it's there so that in the case of what happened on Sunday and Monday, there's little thinking involved in when we say, here's the alert, everyone just kind of gets moving in. Yeah, so of course, like when the alert comes down or the the wildfire service is like, hey, we're recommending you guys put an alert on, those plans are obviously in place, but Mm -hmm. certainly it's fluid, right? Obviously, uh, in the past... Uh, when we've been able to send evacuees, uh, obviously from the regional district, um, to locations closer than Prince George's, Grand Prairie, yeah. and whatnot. Obviously, those uh, we try to keep people as, as close to home as we can. But um, obviously, they're dealing with a wildfire situation across you know Western Alberta, mm-hmm. and so 
those pieces are are so fluid that it's important that we uh, constantly are updating this and have multiple contingencies and and hopefully mm-hmm. uh, they always stay in that planning stage. Mm-hmm. Now, is that something? Um, and I don't know if you could speak to this or not. When the, those fires spark up and they start to get big, and this becomes something that could have happened, right? Are, are there people in the city and in, in you know the various departments that that deal with this reaching out to a Grand Prairie to a Prince George saying, "You have this situation unfolding. Let's make sure we're all on the same page for what we'll do if we have to evacuate to Prince George if we have to go to Grand Prairie." Yeah, so certainly that's the work that the Emergency Operations Center does. Yeah. Um, and so obviously in a, in a smaller event um, where, you know, we could evacuate a number of people to, to Dawson Creek, that would obviously be, be priority one, but mm-hmm. we're a community of 21,000 people. And so if we had to evacuate the entire town, Dawson Creek can't hold 21,000 people. Yeah. And so then it's the next spot and the next spot and the next spot, right? And so it's making sure that we have those contingencies in place. But I think it's also important that, um, for example, out of this was um, the number of people that called in saying they would need transportation to to leave the area. So whether Mm -hmm. that's their mobility challenge, they just don't drive, all of those pieces. So it was important to ensure that we had a plan in place. And that was the work that the planning team did in in the emergency operations center is okay. So can we set up zones where people would be able to go and we'd be able to pick them up by bus, transport them to a central location and then bus everybody out of town, mm-hmm. all of those things. How would we evacuate the community if we needed to? This is, uh, you know, the first time in, in fairly recent memory that the entire community has been put on alert. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that we, you know, made sure that we were testing those theoretical pieces if, if ever that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't happen to know the last time, hey? It's it's been some time, as as far as I understand it. Yeah. So in 2016, with the wildfires out in the regional district, we did put a portion of the city on alert I at see. that time. But it's been uh, like before that, it's been a long, long time. Yeah. Until for the entire city to be put mm-hmm. on an alert for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about the day of. It's Monday. Um, the BC Wildfire Service comes to the city and says we recommend this is what you should do. Who ultimately makes that call at the end of the day? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that, that, that we're going to take the, the recommendation of the BC Wildfire Service. They're the ones that are on the ground. They know the fire. They've, you know, they have analysts working on, on what's going to happen. They have the accurate weather data. They have yeah. all of those pieces. So when they come to you and say, you guys should put an alert on, it's, it's taken pretty seriously, and then mm-hmm. that's when we ramp up our emergency operations center yeah. and and have a, a director who, you, obviously, you're speaking to the Peace River Regional Districts yeah. EOC director later on. Um, Fort St. John obviously operated, opened their emergency operations center, and mm-hmm. that's led by a director as well. And so, I think that that's uh, really when it comes down to it. Wildfire service recommending something is is pretty much yeah. um, when it's time to enact. Mm-hmm. Is there a policy in place that requires, say, like the mayor to say yes and, and council to vote on it? Is that, that kind of how it works? Or? Uh, so yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly the state of local emergency uh, that the city. So you don't have to declare a state of local emergency to issue an evacuation alert. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it kind of goes in in phases. This, a state of local emergency allows uh some fairly significant um, 
pieces that you can do. You mm-hmm. can you can enact things like limiting gas purchasing. You can enact um, that anybody with equipment comes and helps. Like there's there's it's quite a step up yeah. from an alert. And so I think that those are important pieces. The they do have to uh, be approved by the mayor as as um, the head of council. And yeah. so, um, but but really in in that level, it's it's. Um, once wildfire service is like you guys need an alert that's yeah. that's pretty much yeah, where no one's ends. really considering it they're just like let's do this um and then i mean you brought it up in 2016 it was just a portion of the city that was under an alert do you know why this time it was the whole city and why you decided or bc wildfire service said it should be everybody was it kind of the the nature of the fire and how quickly things were happening. Yeah, I mean, certainly. So Monday, uh, predicted windstorm event from the north, uh, from the northwest, pushing the fire southeast. Yeah, uh, basically right towards the city. So I think that that is was fairly significant. Obviously, uh, that that weather event wasn't as sustained um, as they had thought. They had thought you know sixteen hours. It turned out to be significantly less than that and mm-hmm. not entirely in the southeast direction and so um those are pieces that you know we wanted to make sure that we can evacuate a community of twenty-one thousand people if it ever came to that and so an alert is really important for people to make sure they're prepared for that mm-hmm. and if you think about um it feels like we have lots of ways out of uh, the community which we do but but how many vehicles can we move out an hour and those are the pieces that you know the EOC team is looking at or was looking at is so if if that's the case then is it going to take us 6 hours to evacuate the community is it going to take us 24 hours to evacuate the community right and so yeah. you want to make sure that people are prepared for those sorts of things to happen mm-hmm. and then we fast forward kind of to Wednesday then when uh you know the alert was rescinded I guess it's the same process. The wildfire service probably came to you and said, okay, I mean, the danger's passed for now. You can rescind the alert and everyone just sort of followed suit with the city. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, Tuesday for the BC wildfire service was a big day. They were able to get back up in the air, make sure they had accurate mapping Mm -hmm. and then updated their, their projections of what things were going to do and where they felt confident on. And that's when they, uh, came back you know late that night and said uh-huh. we're, we're fairly confident with the fact that you can remove that that order and i mean i think that uh, that alert sorry you i think that when it first came out you saw obviously the district of taylor put it on you saw the uh, this a large portion of the surrounding piece of a regional district put it on yeah. and so uh it was fairly coordinated in that af- effect and so then also fairly coordinated when we when we took it off uh-huh. All right, well, looking forward kind of now over the next few days, the long weekend, of course, uh, the coming weeks and even months. Um, I mean, this fire is burning. It's going to be burning kind of throughout the summer. What What's kind of next for the city then? The alert's been rescinded. We can all breathe easier, but it's still there. You know, uh, what, what are we kind of looking for? What's kind of – how do we continue to be prepared at the city and, and sort of what – I guess what's next in <laughs> short. <laughs> yeah, so I think the the important thing is is twofold. One, we continue to monitor the situation. Yeah. We're obviously included on the daily calls and, and making sure that we have the most up-to-date information as well. But further to that, that we're supporting uh, 
you know, our neighbors who are still impacted by these fires. And so we have mm-hmm. our reception center, our emergency support services reception center set up and, and open at the North Peace Arena, trying to make sure that those people that are impacted have the supports that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that um, it's important that people are prepared. And so this doesn't mean that, you know, you need to have a go bag ready to go, but you should be prepared and you should understand that whether it's wildfires or something else, yeah. emergencies do happen. And so it's important to, to have a, you know, a 72 hour kind of kit ready to go, whether that's, um, you know, you have to shelter in place, uh, because, there's been a, a hazardous uh, airborne yeah. chemical mm-hmm. that that's you know leaked out of a tanker truck mm-hmm. driving through town that we need to shelter in place for. Those those are certainly risks that we have in our community, and it's important that people are are prepared for those. It's not always the the wildfire that mm-hmm. uh, c- could impact us, and so I think that ultimately people just need to be be prepared and and hope that you know it never gets past the prepared stage absolutely well ryan i really appreciate you taking a few minutes i know it's been a very busy uh week for you so thanks for coming down and chatting with us this morning yeah thanks for having me you're very welcome that's ryan harvey the uh city of fort st john's communications manager we're gonna be talking uh talking pardon me with mike watkins with the prrd he's the emergency operations center director right after this on moose talks welcome back to the show now our discussion of the emergency response towards the uh, forest fires burning north of fort st john continues now uh from the peace river regional district standpoint they uh issued alerts and orders in some cases uh long before uh the city of fort st john was under evacuation alert so to talk a bit about that process and uh kind of what's been happening uh you know in the center over the last uh, past two weeks we're joined now by mike watkins the emergency operations center director mike welcome to moose talks thanks for making time for us today uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having us on, Dub. So let's go back kind of to, I, I, I think it was really the first weekend, uh, not even of May, but like the last weekend of April, we, we saw some fire starts here in the North Peace. Um, and I don't remember the timeline exactly offhand, but I don't think we quite had alerts right away. But nonetheless, you see this happening. Are you already sort of preparing for, okay, what are we going to do in this situation if if this gets you know out of control quickly, which... I think we all knew could happen because of how dry it was. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Uh, the, uh, you know, as the season starts to get going, uh, we get regular briefings from BC Wildfire Service, the Prince George Fire Center. Mm-hmm. Um, we have daily briefings on weather. Uh, flood watch is always is usually what we're concerned about at this time of year. Um, it's becoming increasingly more common, though, that we're having flood and fire seasons merged together, and emergency personnel are basically, you know, running, uh, you know, for months and months and months, activated in uh, responding to uh, situations around the province. Mm-hmm. Certainly, a bit unusual to see it quite this dry in the piece, uh, this early, uh, this dry, but also this warm, uh, this early in the area. This has certainly been a, a May that uh, stands out in the minds of a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Now I just oh I'm so sorry Mike for interrupting. <laughs> um, I just was no, talking. I was talking with Ryan Harvey from the City of Fort St John uh, right before uh, talking to you now, and uh, I suppose the situation is sort of the same with uh, the Peace River Regional District BC Wildfire Service. You know the fire kind of gets out of control and gets closer to properties in the in the North Peace. 
And they come to you and they say, we recommend that you issue this alert. Is that sort of the the process that, that the PRD follows? BC Wildfire says we should do this, and then we kind of go forward and do it, eh? Yeah, we use the BC Wildfire Service uh, for expert recommendations based on uh, their experience with fire behavior, mm-hmm. the kind of fuels that are out there, um, what we call... You know, there's uh, a whole bunch of factors, uh, road access, egress, where uh, it, it's not just them making a decision, but we're collectively working on, you know, what might the situation look like uh, given a certain certain uh, set of circumstances. Um, weather is a huge part of this. Uh, uh, we get, uh, you know, often multiple briefings on weather at a very localized level mm-hmm. that uh, helps us determine um, how we're going to respond to any given situation. So a, a good example of, um, you know, there's a wildfire up in the northern end of the district, uh, the Donny Creek wildfire, uh, which is, we're now calling the Pike Complex, because it was multiple fires that started. In a pretty remote area of the, the district, uh, wasn't really impacting any residential properties, but there are industry, uh, forestry, oil and gas, and recreational users up there that are impacted. That, that one kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people, even though it's a very large and active wildfire. Um, and we might have handled that in a different way than an order and alert. Uh, there are other tools. Uh, sometimes BC Wildfire Service would put what we call an area restriction out. Um, so there's different tools that we have to help protect the public and help protect infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Whenever we're close to the population, uh, you're going to see orders and alerts come out. And, and they're not ever implemented uh, without a lot of care and attention to the impacts on people. Uh, we certainly realize that in this particular case, we've had more than 1,800 properties uh, at one point were on evacuation order. That's a lot of people to be moving into hotels um, as far south as King George in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something that we're all very aware of, and, and we understand the, you know, the social and economic impacts of doing, uh, making these kinds of decisions. So just from a procedural standpoint, um, you know, the BC Wildfire Service makes these recommendations in concert with conversations and discussions everyone's having. Who who ultimately has to say, okay, let's do this? You know, again, based on the, you know, the advice of experts from BC Wildfire Service and even within the PRRD, is this the board chair and the board, they have to kind of agree to kind of give the go-ahead to issue alerts? Uh, that's essentially how it works. Uh, every local authority has the statutory ability to declare a state of local emergency. Um, when we're issuing an alert, we don't need to go to that level, but when we're issuing an order, what the state of local emergency gives us are extraordinary powers to take certain actions. Mm-hmm. And uh, might agree that requiring people to leave their homes and their businesses is an extraordinary action. It can also give us powers to use certain facilities like public arenas for housing if we need to in, in very short order. So it's just a num- it's just one of many tools we have, but the, the primary tool um, that we use to signal to the public that there's something going on that they, they need to pay attention to is the alert. Often we have time to issue an alert first, and it's just a signal that people need to get ready. Uh-huh. They need to prepare themselves to leave at its notice. And if we do, unfortunately, have to uh, put an area on evacuation order, then that's the signal that everybody must leave immediately. Mm-hmm. 
Well, uh, I do want to quickly kind of look forward here now because, of course, there's been lots of changes in the alerts and the orders over the past few days as the wildfire situation has changed. But as uh, we kind of said with Ryan Harvey a few minutes ago, this is kind of going to be something that we deal with probably for the next weeks, months, probably even the whole summer with that fire uh, situation there, depending on what happens. Um, What kind of is happening going forward now that things have eased off a bit, but still there's quite a few, I think 2000 or so people who are uh, evacuated from uh, kind of the, the area around the fire and, and North of Fort St. John, some of which who've uh, I believe been able to go home. What, what happens over the long weekend and in a couple of weeks, a couple kind of weeks going up forward here. Um, well, first, I, I'm really delighted to say that uh, as of last night, we were able to lift the order on uh, more than 850 properties. So that that's in allowing, you know, probably at least a couple thousand people to return home. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as of last night in, in just Fort St. John and Dawson Creek alone, we had uh, 960 uh, uh, family units in hotels in Fort St. John and 821 in Dawson Creek. There were also people evacuated to Chetwind and Prince George. Um, so a, a good portion of those are able to go home. Uh, we're, we're now down to 446 properties in the regional district that remain under evacuation order. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference between the, our, our peak and now is... Uh, almost 1400 properties so that's good news we feel pretty confident that you know we're talking about process again we don't want to lift an order only to have to put people back on order um, so we, we take care about that uh, recognizing that there's a big economic and social impact to keeping people out of their homes and properties um, we feel pretty confident about this uh, we we've had you know some fairly detailed conversations with BC Wildfire and, and we're looking for their sense of confidence and it's based on the activity that they're doing at the fire. Um, one of the things that also gave us confidence about lifting this order was the Red Creek Fire performed extremely well during the wind event we had this last week. Uh, it essentially held all the guards around it and this next few days BC Wildfire expects to get a lot of work done around the south. Um, basically from Murdale uh, counterclockwise around to the north and clockwise around to the south. Uh, we're going to get a lot of work done on guards um, and, and some of the natural features that should um, really uh, do a good job of containing anything that might happen there. So we feel confident about that, but I, I, I always want to remind people that the fact that we brought them off order, they re- do remain on alert which means they do need to always be vigilant and careful and ready to leave at a moment's notice should things change. Um, looking forward into the long weekend, there's fortunately in the forecast, we've got a bit of rain coming uh, Sunday, Monday. Uh, there's actually some potential for some very heavy rains the farther north you go in the district. So don't want to be overly uh, optimistic about rain putting out our fires, but it's certainly going to help. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's something that we haven't seen for two weeks now. So so that's a, a nice thing to look forward to, even if it might rain on somebody's parade over the long weekend. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes. I know it's been a very busy uh, two weeks for you, and uh, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us today. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you. And if I could, I'd just like to say thanks to my team here that's been working for the last two weeks and all of our ESS 
community partners around the region and even out of the region down into the Prince George area. They've been incredible uh, working at this and helping out literally thousands of people. It, it really is the entire North pulling together on this one. Awesome. Well, wonderful. Thank, thanks so much, Mike. Thank you, Doug. All right. So we want to thank our guests, Ryan Harvey and Mike Watkins, for joining us today. We are, of course, continuing to keep a close eye on the wildfire situation north of Fort St. John and in the Peace today and throughout the long weekend. We'll be sharing any updates from the BC Wildfire Service and local governments as soon as we get them to help keep you informed. If news breaks, you'll hear it here on Moose FM, and you can always read up on it at Energetic City. We also want to say a big thanks to you for listening and reaching out with your tips about everything that's been going on over the past few weeks, whether it's about the wildfire situation specifically or about the good news that is coming out of it about people helping each other out. We love to hear all of it and we thank you for all your help in getting the word out about the good news and sometimes the bad news uh, that is happening in our community. We appreciate it. Well, that's our show for today. Jordan Prentice and Trey Lopashinsky are the producers of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.